today, I have the pleasure of introducing you guys to Shannon O'Brien. Shannon is a renowned life coach, and today she's going to be educating us on a few things that we need to know about career and life changes. So, Shannon, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? That'd be awesome. Yeah, Emmanuel, thanks so much for having me here. I always love the opportunity to share my experience and offer any insights and hopefully share or spare people some time and uh, snafus. I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years, but entrepreneurial for 25 years. Okay. So um, what, like excited to dive into this conversation with you today. So we're just going to go basically now life coaches is something I'm very, very much intrigued by because I think 90% of success can be attributed to mindset. Mm -hmm. Right. Now I'm very curious as to, you know, you founded whole year back in 2012, right? I'm mm -hmm. very curious as to what got you on this journey that you said, hey, you know what, I am actually going to be a life coach. Yes, and I have to be honest that I still don't call myself a life coach, um, yeah. but I think that is the category of which, you know, I, I sort of fit under. And I was on a journey, on a, on a journey to find what career really fit with me. And I think being an entrepreneur and being a life coach or a career and life strategy advisor, as I call it, more words, but um, it gives me license. It gives me the opportunity to focus on a lot of things. And my career started really graduating undergrad and being very influenced by 9-11 and the impact awesome. that the aftermath had um, because I was graduating right around September 11th. Okay. And um, and so my focus, even though I was studying communication at the time, I was more focused on intercultural communication. And so on international development and intercultural relations and went to Japan, got a master's there, came back, started to work at Harvard promoting diversity. And then I could go on and on about my career. But um, my as I was working in higher education, so first at Harvard and then at MIT promoting invention and innovation, for a total of seven years, okay. I found that my favorite job was working with people, with individuals. In that case, it was uh, undergraduates and graduates, but helping them to start companies and plan events and network. And I just felt like that's what I wanted to do. So um, the category of life coach or career coach fits that, fits okay. that, that, that possibility of helping people navigate their lives and figure out what they want to do and find their purpose. So how did you, okay, so I'm very curious about Harvard because Harvard is a, obviously it's a very prestigious university, right? So um, for me, I've, I've had the privilege of interacting with people that graduated from, from uh, Harvard and similar schools, but I always find myself a little out of place because, you know, you're talking to like really, really smart people. Really smart. Uh -huh. Getting to Harvard is not something easy. It's a, just getting in alone is bragging rights, right? So, I mean, did, did you go to MIT? Because I remember you mentioned, you had mentioned something about MIT at some point. Uh, were you I worked at MIT. Yeah, I worked there um, as a volunteer originally, and then as a an administrator running a student prize for okay. innovators and inventors. And their their level of smartness is on a total other level. It's really incredible. Okay. Okay. So now, now I'm very it, which is now coming from a perspective of you know you you come in with you're promoting diversity and you're coming from a very um, what do I call it. Uh, a different perspective as far as approach to life, right? So how how did you blend in per se in your experience with in Harvard and in in MIT? Because for me, this is also something I kind of struggle with. Is to okay, you're you're, you're dealing with high accolades here. Like, how what is that mental state that you put yourself in? Because 
uh, and, and I'm going to just, the reason why I'm asking the question is, there's a lot of viewers that are either, they have this mindset of, okay, this person either makes more money than me, or this person is more famous than me, right? But they end up putting themselves down, so either way, they can't close the deal, they can't move forward, or something ends up holding them back. So how, yeah. are, you, how are you able to blend right in? Yeah, I think you need to rise to the occasion and believe in yourself and say, why not me? You know, of course, I actually never liked school growing up and I wanted to, you know, um, drop out of high school as soon as I could because I didn't grasp onto any subjects that really sparked an interest in me. And it wasn't until senior year in high school when I took my first entrepreneurship class that I said, oh, well, I think I'm smart, too. It's in a different kind of way, but this is really sparking my interest. So I think it's like you said, mindset, but confidence, believing in yourself and, and I belong here. And I think at Harvard and MIT, what I hear from administrators and people in the admissions office on the first day of school, they say, you belong here because each one of you probably has imposter syndrome and you think it was a mistake. You were the one that got in by mistake. Uh -huh, yeah. And everybody, everybody feels that way. Even if they're an astrophysicist, super smart, everyone feels not enough. I think that's a universal feeling that everybody has. So you really have to get over it. You really have to um, focus on your strengths and what you're great at and try to get over that insecurity that we all have. Well, the thing is, it's it's I'm gonna I'm gonna push back just a little bit here, is it's easier said than done, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming, you know, because a lot of people, not everyone has a great upbringing. Right. A lot of people either have a traumatic, traumatic childhood. A lot of people grew up without parents. A lot of people had to struggle. Now, overcoming the imposter syndrome is just like one end of the stick. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's also that underlying foundation. Right. So is there like a, because I know you have a puzzle, a step by step framework that you, you operate under. Is there a way in which, you know, let's say I'm coming in here and um, just a little background on me. I was, you know, uh, my girlfriend was asking me and she was like, what keeps you going? Right. She's like, what? You know, I wake up very early in the morning. Why do you wake up early in the morning? Why do you do this? And deep down, there is the same thing. There's just this mindset that I'm not good enough. Okay. There's this part of me that's like, hey, you know what? You need to you need to keep working harder because it doesn't matter what you've achieved. It just it feels like someone's going to take it away. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. There's that, there's that, there's that feeling like, you know, you like you're going to lose, like I'm going to lose it. So I keep working hard to keep it now. I think it's deep down, like an inner psychology of, you know, upbringing and stuff. But how I deal with that is true work, right? So what is your framework when your clients come in and, you know, you see that they have the imposter syndrome or they have, you know, a few mental roadblocks? How do you get them to walk, overcome it? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's as much about overcoming in a in a way that it goes away forever, but it's more about management, day-to-day -day management. And like you say, you're aware of that. Well, am I really getting up so early because of this trauma, because of this belief in my head that I have to work harder than everybody else because of X, Y, and Z? I think that that's part of the hero's journey that we're like, oh, wait a second, I'm a total stress ball. Not saying that you're a stress ball, but like- I, I, I am who work themselves silly and uh, and they're like well I'm totally burnt out and I'm not actually feeling good and I'm not enjoying my life and so th that's what I focus on is balance but getting back to your question about so it's not really about helping people overcome or erase it entirely it's really managing it being aware of when it pops up and why and that's and trying to 
smooth it out a little bit. So, so wow, I, I'm I'm totally stressed out. Does this really matter? And then having a line of questioning, like, is this really necessary? Am, am I doing too much? Do I really enjoy these 10 to 20 things that I'm doing? Or can I, can I reduce them? So there's a way to go through and evaluate what you're working on and what you're doing and, and asking, is it really worth it? Because you want to put more of your energy into the things that matter. Um, and getting over imposter syndrome, I would say that the number one thing is to focus on strengths. What are your strengths and your skills? Okay. You know, because you're like, well, I actually am good at that. And I, I suggest that everybody take this evaluation called Strengths Finder, also known as Clifton Strengths. Um, and I, I took the assessment when I was working at a cross-cultural consulting firm and, and my team and I took it in order to see how we would collaborate together okay. to better understand each other's strengths. And it came out with these top five strengths that included positivity, connectedness, winning others over. And I said, wait a second, those aren't the strengths that I, what about being good at money? What about yeah. all these things that are like my dad and the people that I looked up to needed in order to do well in business. But this approach says you can, these are, these are inherently your strengths. And guess what? Not everybody has them. And so you can pair up and work with other people that have these other strengths, but you really need to focus on your strengths, i.e. your, your zone of genius, and really just embrace that and, and not say the glass is half empty. It's really overflowing and, and be, be grateful for all that you do have. Okay, so there's gratitude in there. Okay, so uh, okay, so now whole year was started in 2012, right? Now, why that year? Obviously, you said you wanted that transition from, you know, you're still finding yourself and a creative fits you, but why 2012? I've never been asked that. Why 2012? I think the year came about, um, well, I attribute it. I attribute the, the first day of whole you to be August 1st, 2012. And the reason being is that was the day I was accepted into an accelerator, the first accelerator that I ever participated in called Future Boston Alliance. Okay. And participating in that. And so I just sort of I put together an application and I had an idea. It it was just an idea. Uh -huh. And I wrote this application and started to envision and think of what it could be. And, and I got an acceptance letter and that validation, sometimes validation from the outside does yeah. make us feel better about ourselves rather than just being like, you know, I have an idea and it's great. And I'm, I'm giving myself the internal validation and that's enough. So I got this external validation and better yet, I was a part of a cohort of entrepreneurs at various stages of their businesses. And we all learned from each other and it was an incredible experience. So that's why uh, why 2012. I was working at MIT at that point, about yeah. a year at that point I was at MIT. And then the next year, 2013, I my my role at MIT was changing. Okay. And so I said, whoa, this is really, really big. And and I don't do anything uh, half-assed. You know, I I, I do everything yeah. 100%. And I, and I feel like my role, I wouldn't be able to deliver um, fully in this role. So I'm going to jump ship a little early and do whole you whole time. So that's what I did. Okay, now you mentioned something which is very, very important. And I think probably 85% of entrepreneurs struggle with it. Now, you know, a lot of people mention the, um, what do you call it? Side side hustle, 
right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's like a side hustle, right? Oh, you know, they they work a full-time job for 30 hours and they go do a side hustle, right? Which ends up, they don't make any money on a side hustle, right? Now, how were you able to make that jump? Like, what was that? that because a lot of people were not able to make the jump from, oh, I'm going to go from having this full-time guaranteed income to betting on myself. That's the biggest thing. So how were you able to, what was that? How were you able to make that jump? Right. I did ask around, you know, okay. because you want to say like, who else has jumped? And when okay. did you like take a survey, ask some people. So you start to have a certain comfort level. Cause it's yeah. not like I'm jumping off. Of, I'm running and jumping off a cliff, but I'm getting, I'm doing some research and gathering from people that I actually know or friends of friends. Okay. And I remember one person saying, you know, don't, don't leave <laughs> until you have like a sure thing and you should have a job, a bridge job. And um, I think that it takes a bit of courage and bravery um, and boldness, but I, I think that the entrepreneurial spirit was really infused at such an early age. That class I took was in 1997. I kind of had read a lot of books and 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 felt you know knowledgeable about it. And I think that that's actually uh, entrepreneurs have that bravado, and sometimes that goes against them because they yeah. need to be a little bit more practical. Okay, and so. I was only a year into it, not making what I was making in terms of the salary. And then I think it was, so I left in 2013, 14, 15, 16. It was like three or four years that it took me to um, surpass the salary that I was making okay. at MIT. And so you have to be smart about your, your funds, you know, and what you, you know, what you spend and, and, and I say this too, like people always think that you need to get like startups, they equate with venture capital or like going out and getting somebody else's money. Um, there's a lot of ways to do that, whether it's friends and family and borrowing, uh, which was the situation for me, or whether you go to a bank or whether you get a prize, you know, a prize money from an accelerator yeah. or the traditional venture capital that a lot of people think of the money has to come from somewhere um hopefully it's coming from what you're doing as well i should like really focus on that focus on the yeah. emphasis do i have something valuable that people are going to pay me for because there's two schools of thought like the facebook i'm going to give it away from free and everyone's going to love it and then i'll monetize later but for me right out of the gate you know the the origin story of like the first customer was like okay this is what I charge per hour and I've just been increasing that over the years so hopefully the money comes from your product or your service gotcha now okay so you were willing to take a loss for you know a few years right you were willing to say okay for two or three years I'm going to live off of my income right now let's say there's an entrepreneur right now right it's you know year three year three and a half year four right and they haven't seen that substantial increase in your income, right? And they are just about at that point to give it, right? They're going to give up and they're going to go back in and they're going to give up on their dreams and then just going to go ahead and go back to, you know, whatever your life is. What would you say to them to keep them going? Because not everybody breaks through at the same point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would uh, echo Winston Churchill or whoever it was who said just never, ever, ever give up. Uh, if you want to give up, it's, I mean, you can give up, but I just think that's a sign that you're not um, as passionate about that particular idea. And that's okay. If you're like, whoa, that was the wrong idea. I actually only got in because I thought it was going to make money. 
then I would say, let it go and know when to cut your losses and say, that was a really good experience. And I learned a lot yeah. or someone who's really passionate about some something. And I, and I think that I'm in this category. I'm, I'm so passionate. I believe in what I do and the impact it has on other people. Giving up is actually not an option. It's just a switch that was turned in my brain. It's not an option. Right. So in terms of the money and like where it's going to come from, do I need to get another job? Do I need to uh, babysit, walk dogs, have multiple streams of income? I think that it's like magical thinking maybe to just say, okay, it's all or nothing. And I need to quit and give it up and like throw the baby out with a bathwater. I did get a call from a gentleman the other day, a, a prospect. He said, I, I, you know, I need you. I, someone recommended you. I need to work with you. I've been running this IT business for 20 years and I'm a total slave to my, my clients. And I, and I, and I can't go on like this anymore. And I said, well, you know, you don't need to give it up. You could outsource some of the things that you're doing. You could find a way to like build that on the side because you've invested 20 years. He doesn't need to cut ties completely unless he has a really bad taste in his mouth about it. But um, while he's looking for a job or as he finds this new job, I believe you can balance it depending on how smart you're working and delegation and, and all of the rest of it. But I personally believe that you don't have to give something up entirely as, as long as you're smart about you know other streams of income okay. now okay so I, I have this question and this is a, this is something that um i struggle with a lot especially when you know i'm i'm, I'm talking to my clients i'm talking to you know most of the agents i work with is the mindset of follow your passion okay and and and, and i believe following your passion like let's say my passion is sewing and knitting right i'm very good very good at sewing right i'm not saying i'm good at it i am the worst person to ever see watching this guys don't email me about sewing and knitting because you know, <laughs> but let's say my passion is sewing and knitting and i want to follow my passion right but i know 100 percent that the passion is not going to take me to the financial level that right but i i also want to make a lot of money but i know if i continue knitting i'm not going to make a lot of money right and i know you 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 coach people especially on career change right what advice would you give to me, especially if I'm on the camp of follow your passion and then also on the camp of, you know, there's other people on the camp. I'm, I'm also going to have a follow-up question of people who are like, yeah, don't do your follow passion, follow the money. Mm -hmm. Right? So what what advice would you give to me, a sewer, a knitter, or doing something that's literally, it's fulfilling to me emotionally, but it's not financially getting me there. Well, let's say my passion is video games, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not financially getting me there. Would you give me that advice of keep continuing your passion? It's going to happen, or what necessarily would you advise me? Yeah, I would come back to the, the it's not all eggs in one basket. It's all not you know um, all or nothing. Meaning, okay. I know I know personally people who sew and knit and make clothes and have really made it. There's one woman named Erin. She um, won Project Runway. You know she's maybe an outlier obviously she's super super talented and she's been doing it since she was a child you know this is just her passion that she followed and now she's making a life of it um but she also is very entrepreneurial and uh, creative and a good businesswoman during the pandemic she was making masks i bought one of them um okay. there's brandon one with like rainbows she was like selling masks you know so she's sews she makes clothes but she's also business-minded and making a lot of money through that i forget how much i paid for it but i'm sure it was a premium price for this yes. mask that i could have got at cvs for you know cents 
Um, so that's on the sewing part. And I would also say, if you have a passion for it, you might not be able to make as much as you want now. And then in the meantime, you could work in the industry, you know, so um, Ralph Lauren sells blankets, you know, or, you know, work with within the fashion industry somehow if it's you know what is it about creation is it crafts do you want to work at michael's craft store just being around those tools so i think immersing yourself in the environment will spark that passion in you um, while you continue to make the money on the side i mean that's what i would say and then in terms of video games people create video games i had a client who was interested in video games it was his kind of full-time passion and i knew that in Cambridge, you know, nearby, there was different uh, companies that are creating video games. So you can get in on the ground level. There's all different departments. Okay. And you're surrounded by your passion in, um, you know, in a, a corporate environment or in a startup environment. And again, I, I my thinking is this just multiple streams of income or multiple ways of, of, and I think these days people understand that there's these side hustles because we're not unless you're the CEO and you're and you're totally devoted to this one company, it's not rare to also have a family and friends and hobbies. So I think you can, if you're good with your time management, balance it. Okay. Okay. Now I'm gonna pivot and ask you this question before I, you know, ask the pop question. And that is if you can summarize success as to the number one criteria, because you described, okay, we have a lady who sews and she knits and she makes masks and she made you she she was able to not made you but she was able to persuade you to, to pay a premium price for a mask as opposed to paying seven cents for the same mask right what what secret ingredient would you say actually makes a successful entrepreneur because from what you told me it's not just the passion like i could be a good sewer knitter but that's not what's going to take me to the next level i could be a, a video gamer but that's not what's going to take me to the next level what is that secret sauce to, that, that, that actually mixes in to actually, you know, you could tell will get you close to, to, to success? Right. If I had the answer, I could bottle it and sell it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay a premium uh, price The for secret it. sauce. I got the secret sauce. It's 50 bucks and it <laughs> cost me a dollar to make. Um, I, I think there's this je ne sais quoi, this I don't, this like, uh, is, when I'm thinking of Aaron, for example, um, there's just something when I first came across her profile, there's actually, I think it was a French consulate was having a party in, uh, in Boston and yeah. they were profiling young students. I think she was at mass art or some local university at the time. And they were profiling different artists and she was one of them and her work just exuded this energy. And maybe, you know, if you or someone else looked at this profile, you wouldn't get the same feeling. And I think there's a lid for every pot. But for me, when I looked at it, there was some energy. I love the colors. I love the, the diversity, the array of what she was working on. And it really spoke to me. So when it came time, you know, kind of follow her work. I met her that night and then follow her on Instagram or whatever. So when it, I mean, I wasn't buying from her right away, but maybe it's 10 years later, I'm buying a mask from her because I'm there's that secret sauce is this connection and this belief in her and her talent and wanting to support her, but also just this connection, wanting to connect with something or someone that resonates with you. So I think that's good news for everybody because, like I said before, there's a lid for every pot. So someone is going to resonate with your stuff. If you're true to yourself and your message, your calling, your purpose, your passion, whatever it is, 
likely someone else is also feeling that too. And they are the people who are going to invest in you, buy from you, want to work from you and support you through your career. Okay. Now I, I have a, I have a question and this is just going to be a little bit more into this whole year because, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about it because I think what you're doing, the whole year is very phenomenal. Now, if I am a, I'm watching this podcast, right? Okay. You know, I'm, you know, either cooking, I'm making dishes, so I'm driving or, you know, I'm, you know, just finished arguing with a board. Right. What what is going to prompt me to say, you know what, I'm going to go on holdyou.com right now, right? And I'm going to go ahead and book a call and talk to Shannon, right? What is that problem that a person has that will make them pick up the phone and talk to you? Yes, that's a million dollar question. First of all, don't go to holdyou.com because I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> just get straight. I actually did recently buy wholeyoucoach.com because it was a .com, but for the first 10 years, I was just using wholeyou.info. Just funny side story. When I was first starting and I had this dream and I was on this wagon and I was like, and someone was like, okay, sure. I'll go to wholeyou.com. And I said, no, it's .info. And then I (laughs) like in real life and a car outside woke me up from that dream or that nightmare because wholeyou.info might not have the same SEO cachet anyway. So that's a side, a side joke. But um, when I, when people call up, so now, now I don't have people calling out of the blue. I'm kind of hiding my telephone number from um, Yelp and all of this so that people are not just calling me because because I want to know that they are a vetted um, qualified lead in advance that they know what I'm about that they've reviewed some materials hopefully I mean that's who you really want to be talking to and spending time with they've I mean like you you reached out to me you had research you you sent me really thoughtful questions you want someone who who means business you know who, who cares about you and 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 wants to connect with you and is putting in the time and so you can kind of tell who a joker is right so yes. they're like oh is this free I've had people be like is this a free service no are you looking for a job that doesn't pay you you know um so to answer your question of like what is the pain point I mean some of the people who call would be like I and I ask them what did you google because they'll find me on google or something and it's just career coach Boston or career counseling Boston. I don't have, I don't know what the keywords are. Like I need to find my life purpose or my life is out of control. I need balance. Um, The joke of it is when I was starting this company, I was calling it or practice, I should say, I was calling it an agency for change agents. And I have my own reason as my own reasoning, but people Uh aren't saying I need an agency for change agents. You know, I'm a change agent. So you have to use the language that people are using or thinking and and life coach or career coach for better or worse is, is what is like commonly uh, spoken when it comes to like some of the things that I help people with. So I would say the three core things that I help people with are wellness, career, and service. And the two taglines are pursuing your life's work and also living a balanced, purposeful life. That's a lot of words, a lot of statements. But I think at the end of the day, people would say, yeah, yeah, that's all great. I just need a job. Yeah. I just need money and and stability and security. And so for better or worse, again, I just kind of floated to the top of like being a career advisor or career coach. So I think it's the people who come um, initially are looking for a new job. They're in a career transition of some sort, and they need help navigating that process of finding a new job. 
Got you. Okay. So they, they, they're, 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 okay. So now what is the, because when they call you, obviously there's a few questions you ask them, right? So let's say now someone's like, all right, you know what? I, I think I might need an, a new job or you know what? I think, you know, I don't like where my life is going. I want to go, you know, I think I, I, I was destined for more, right? What is that qualifying questions that you want them to go over now before they go ahead? Because you're hiding your phone number, all right? So what is that? So you're hiding your phone number. So for them to be able to reach out to you, you know, go to ouCoach.com, right? <laughs> yeah. OUCoach.com. So you're hiding your info, right? And, and and it's not, it's not, you know, it's what are the qualifying questions that they have to ask themselves to say, okay, you know what? I think I am actually qualified. And you know what, Shannon, I went through everything. I asked myself these questions and I want to talk to you. I, I don't think it's free. I guess it is not free. It is mm -hmm. not. If you think mm -hmm. it's free, it's not free. So, <laughs> so what are those questions? Yeah, there, there's, um, so what I have now, and I've experimented with this, this is sort of the back end experimentation as an entrepreneur. I was okay. having free calls, free for years and years and years. And actually, when I went to this conference in Texas, this next gen uh, franchising conference, I described my process to one of my cohort you know, members and I explained yeah. it to you, said, wait, wait, wait you spend 30 minutes to an hour with some fool that you've never talked to and you don't even know if they're a qualified lead. And he laughed in my face and I went back to the hotel room and cried because I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I've just wasted so much time, you know, and they never, they don't convert. And so I just changed the process. And now there's a call that you can book on my website and there's a survey that asks questions and it's not rocket science. They're just basic questions to say you know what are you working on check the box this is how i can help people one two three four five which apply to you okay. are you and then one of the key questions are you ready mentally physically financially to invest in this because the way that i operate this is not um so for example some people want help with their resume and i i'm an editor and i'm a writer and i can help people uh polish up their professional brand, cover letter, resume, LinkedIn, but I'm not a ghostwriter. It's not like you give me all of this information and I'm just going to give it back to you, like package it up with a bow. I work with people. It is a co-created process and we do the work together so that it's authentic to you. So I would say, you know, that last question I said, are you, are you ready to put in the work? Um, it, it's, I'm, it's, I'm not like, um, you know, hand for hire. It's, it's not like outsourcing, um, like a, a Fiverr that you're going to hire. I mean, definitely yeah. people can hire, do it, do it for free. There's like free resume.com or people that like will give you, it's more of a commodity to give it to you for cheap, but working with me is just a different experience. And, and it, I intend to give you a premium service. So um, there is a, there is a fee associated with it, but yeah, those questions are just basic. Are you willing to commit and what particular, what do you need help with? And I think, that's a really interesting or like a key question is understanding what you need help with and, and what is your goal and what is your vision? Nobody can tell you what that is. It actually has to come from within and people like don't know what it is. They never, never gave themselves permission to dream and to allow themselves to admit what they really want. So part of my job is to work with them in a co-created process, ask very simple questions, simple exercises, that that vision comes to life. And also another thing about the free, because we were, you know, in my company, we were doing free a lot. 
and um, free is the most expensive word out there, right? It's either going to cost the business owner money or people who opt in for free at some point will shape or form, they're going to end up paying more, right? And mm -hmm. I, uh, so we did an experiment and uh, we were doing lead generation for a bunch of our clients and we would be like, hey, we'll give you the leads for free, right? So give them the leads, you know, to be like, you give them 20, 30 leads a month for free. And we did the math and only about less than 2.7% of the people we gave the free leads actually called. Okay. It cost me thousands to give it for free. But after they got it for free, they're like, there was no value. And I remember one of, uh, one of the coaches I was listening to, he was like, well, the reason you, when you don't charge people, you know, a fee, you're actually robbing them of the value. Mm. Right? Like today I was shopping in Target and one of the things we we're going to purchase, we were like, uh, well, we were, we were kind of like, which one is better? Which one is better? And then I was like, wait, that's the most expensive. So that, that, that is the best. Right. And it's almost like you almost have to you have to charge premium price because people associate value in price. Right. And and um, I was talking to my sales team and we were like, hey, you know, I called today. I was like, hey, you know, what? we got to raise we got to raise our prices. And she's like, Emmanuel, we're already charging a lot of money. Why do you want to raise the prices? And I was like, well, I just bought something because I was confused and I looked at the most expensive thing and I believe the most expensive thing was going to give me the most value. So I paid for the most expensive thing. And in, in some way, shape, or form, I'm saying this to the audience, for those of you who say, you know, you want free, if you get free, are you going to value it? I mean, oxygen is free. Do you value it? No. The bed you sleep in is, is probably, if you sleep in, in your parents' house, is free. Do you value it? No. Value comes when you actually pay attention, you know, when you actually, there's a pain involved, right? Mm -hmm. So now it's almost like, I'm talking to my staff and I'm like, yeah, we're going to charge a lot of money. She's like, well, we're going to lose some clients. I was like, Let's let's see first. So, <laughs> yeah, I, these are great great points, and I, I I would say right caution is like if you're going to charge a lot, you give a lot, right? And Absolutely. so that's the intention behind. I'm not going to charge you a lot, and it's like a dud, you know. And then I, then I ghost, and you don't hear from me. It's like you can charge a lot if you're willing to give a lot. So Absolutely. that's always been my philosophy. Is like I know I, and this comes back to one of your previous questions about stepping into that, you know that power, that, that strength that you have and in, in charging, knowing your worth and, and charging for it. Um, and yeah, people say you should continue to raise your prices. And to that point as well, you know, your staff saying you'll lose your clients. What I've experimented with is like, okay, I have these premium prices, but for example, for college students, there's a lot of college students in the Boston area. I have this online course that's, you know, very affordable. So I have, like, I've experimented with different tiers it's not says out the gate. It's just like this one high price. I've experimented with like different pricing and, um, you know, different models, like five weeks, like one hour for, for five weeks consecutively, or maybe it's just two sessions or maybe it's the online course. So I think you can still keep your clients um, at a lower price, but then just, you know, either lower the value or higher the, you know, raise the value over here. Okay. Now I, I have a, I have a, where, where can people like, you know, I, I want to get that course right now. Right. Because I know before I book an appointment with you, I have to meet all the steps. Right. So I want to make sure that I, I engage. Where can people find the course? I recommend that people go to wholeyou.info slash free workshop. So capital free capital workshop. Um, and this gives you an overview of this five-step process of finding a job. 
And then if people want to learn more, then there's a sort of funnel, right? That they can like continue to uh, learn more about the course if you wanted to proceed to that next step. Okay, okay. So guys, the link is going to be in the description and then I'm also going to put it on the video here where you can be able to go ahead and get the course. So if you want something, if you want to just go ahead and engage with some of Shannon's content, uh, you can get the course. And then if you want to go ahead and book a call, you can go to wholeyoucoach.com and wholeyou.info as well, right? Yes. Yes. Or wholeyou.info, I got it this time. And then you can go ahead. And <laughs> now, I have a, I, I know we're kind of segueing here. Now, uh, I'm pretty sure you're paying attention to like, you know, what's currently going on, the current trends in the society, right? And there's a lot of people that don't want to work because they were like, for instance, right? I'm not going to talk about, you know, we all know what that event two years happened. I'm not going to mention it because it's a very sensitive topic. But a lot of people were used to getting handouts. Not only, right? So they were used to, you know, not working and then you'd make five grand a month, right? Or six grand a month, right? And now they're like in that point in which it's like, uh, does that dopamine fix, right? Does that dopamine, that, that hit of like, oh, I can get money for not doing anything. And now they're having to go do a job and the job is saying, hey, you know what? We're going to start you off at 2500 a month or 15 bucks an hour or whatever it is. And they just don't want to do it. Right? They just don't even want to work at all. They want the easy money, right? How would you give somebody, how would you, what, what mindset would you give someone to kind of get over that addiction of like getting things for free or the addiction of even a victim mindset? Because I think being a victim is actually an addiction. You actually get a dopamine hit. Actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So are you referring to like unemployment or different grants that were available? Not unemployment, yeah, not unemployment, not, not the grants, the unemployment. Okay. Yeah. I would say unemployment is there for a reason, like when people are laid off or they have, you know, it's kind of this cushion. And I think that if I'm, I might be mistaken, but that you actually pay into it with your taxes. So it's kind of like, you're just getting that money back a little bit. And there's this time to like relax and like reevaluate. And that's actually a, a really beautiful gift. Um, but yeah, uh, I wouldn't recommend that someone is on it for, you know, in that mentality and just like coasting and not contributing. Uh, hopefully they, they would naturally be like, this is enough. Um, yeah, I've had enough, you know, of this, like laying back on the couch or whatever it is, if they weren't active during that time, I'm not going to make a, a assumption that they weren't busy and active. And because I think with unemployment, you have to fill out, um, you know, a, a chart saying the activities, the job search activities that you do on a daily basis. So hopefully those were genuine and people are like using that time to research and say, what is the next step? So I think it's that occurrence that happened gave us all an opportunity to step back from how we were behaving and saying, is this really what I want my life to be? Yeah. And maybe the answer, I mean, I'm not going to make assumptions. Maybe the answer is, no, I, I don't want to work like that. Now, I think there is, this is something that I'm still grappling with as well of like money mindset. Okay. I just send out a, a, a mailing uh, based on this, uh, the Money Coach Institute, Deborah Price started this Money Coach Institute. I found out about it. I, I had a call with her and she has this beautiful survey. Um, very simple. You just fill out these words, how you feel about money. And there's these different types. So you could be the fool or the innocent or the martyr, um, which is, you know, or you could be a magician or you could be a warrior. And that's so much more appealing, right? Are you a money magician and a money warrior handling your money well? Or are you just like sloppy victim over here? Um, how do you change that mindset? 
I don't think it's like this. I mean, it actually could happen like this. I think it, yeah. some people say enlightenment is just, again, a switch in your mind. I'm like, whoa, I get it. I'm here. I'm now. I'm enlightened. And so it could be as as quick as that, like whatever event or conversation or or insight or book you read just like shakes you into awareness. Yeah. But what would I, how would I help someone who, I mean, first of all, I don't think that those people are going to be coming to me looking for right. advice. So I haven't really dealt with someone who's like, yeah, I just want to like get free cash and do nothing. That's not the person that I, that I usually interact with. Now, if someone says I want to work less then you know, maybe they adapt their lifestyle accordingly. And if they live in a very lavish, you know, um, they live beyond their means. It's just like decreasing the stuff that they, that they buy and therefore uh, make adjustments accordingly. But yeah, for the most part, I'm not um, coming across people who are saying, uh, tell me more. Are you are you coming across people say, yeah, I, I just want to live off the government? Well, the thing is, it's not necessarily no one is ever going to admit that they're, they're, they have a fault. Right. People never do. Right. I'm a big believer in reading into the subconscious because, you know, there's uh, most of communication is 55 percent of the body language. Right. So the way people talk about things. Right. Like, for instance, a lot of people complain about their jobs, right? Not making enough money or they complain about their bosses. And they reminisce back to the times in which they could just sit at home and actually do nothing. So it's not necessarily they're saying they want to live off the government. It's just necessarily the point. That, like, for instance, an addict, right? That is a, I'm not saying that, you know, if you're living off the government, you're an addict. OK, uh, but for instance, an addict is they know that there is an element of a problem. OK, but for the most part, if if they're not really like, you know, out there just sniffing powder left and right. They don't see it as a problem. They just see it as they're going about life, right? The majority right. of people never really believe that they have a problem until everything comes crumbling down, right? Yeah, There's yeah, that right. epiphany never gets, right? So someone might be watching this right now and is living off the government, but they don't see anything wrong with it, right? They just see it as, mm-hmm. I'm going through life, it's comfortable, right? They like, and, and as human beings, we like comfort. So what I've encountered in, in my in my dealings and interacting with people is they never see that there is a problem. And I personally, I'm, I'm someone that I never believe. I, I always tell people there was a point in my life in which it was not too long ago, I was making 300 bucks a month and I was sleeping in between a car and a friend's place, right? And uh, I remember my first car, I bought my first car by borrowing the down payment from eight people, okay? It was a, I think it was a $400 down payment, but I bought it from eight people. So I don't even owe one, one person uh, to be able yeah. to make that one payment. But there was always that option where I could go, you know, go get the food stamps, go get the government money. But I said, the moment that I do, I know that whenever something hits the fan, I can always go back, right? Mm, so my yeah. back is not against the wall anymore, right? That's- now I have a safety net. So I was like, I don't want a safety net. So I never took it. And there were times in which I remember it was funny. I was, uh, I was talking to my pastor at the time and she was like, and I told her, I said, I can't do this anymore. I was like, I, I legitimately cannot. I can't, like, I'm barely able to. I can't, I, I'm, I was eating. I remember this was so funny. I remember McDonald's, they had the, the McChicken at the dollar menu and it was eight cents for sales taxes, sales taxes, and it was a dollar for the stuff. So I'd always go there with a dollar and eight cents. Okay. So it was a dollar and eight cents and that was dinner. Okay. Breakfast was, I would go to, uh, I think it was $3.45 for a pack of ramen noodles and I would get boiled eggs. So I'll do ramen noodles and boiled eggs for breakfast, right? And I would stretch a $3.40 something pack for two weeks. So I was living <laughs> off of like, I was stretching for two weeks. When I, I'm, I'm six foot three and I was, I was weighing 132 pounds. Okay. So let's just say I was, I was, I was so skinny. I could literally fit through any door. 
<laughs> okay. But I, I could always, there was always that I could just go back, but I was like, I never could because I actually had that vision. So for me, when I, you know, so I can tell when people are like drawn to that, give me, give me more, right? Money for nothing, right? And yeah. I was like, so for me, I know what it feels like, but they don't really see that as a problem. Now, I want to segue into something because you mentioned wellness and service, right? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, uh, this is a very interesting topic because a lot of people I talk to and um, I would say about 85% of people that I know that they get married now are getting uh, married from Bumble. I know we're kind of segwaying, right? And I, from Bumble. Yeah. And this, is my topic, and this is the reason why I want to talk about this is they're getting it from Bumble, right? And it's because most people don't necessarily feel that in a connection, right? They don't, they don't feel out time. There's no time or there's something going on, right? And I believe a big part of success is having somebody by you. Would you agree? Um, Let's have that dialogue, yes. Okay. A big part of success is having a, a partner? It, not, not in some way, yes. In some way, yes, because it if you can, it eliminates the, the, the need to be searching for something. Eliminates the need to be searching. Yeah, I would say this is a, a tricky subject because most people feel, and if you have a good partnership, so the, so many things to say about this, and this is a big pivot into relationships, and it's a big yeah, one. yeah. This is this this is an interesting topic. That's why I just brought. It's just that yeah. Yeah, I have a client tomorrow who would like to just talk about relationships and how to meet a new person and. Um, I want to I want to know where is that coming from? Is it coming from a desperation? Is it coming from a lack? Is it coming from I'm not good enough? Is it coming from a trauma response? Or is it coming from the other place we talked about, which is I am so awesome. I could date myself, but I'm going to share it with somebody else, you know, and they're yeah. also awesome. Two whole people coming together and not needing each other necessarily. So um, it's just my philosophy. If you have quote unquote, the right person. It kind of feels like that. It's not um, filling a need or a hole that you have in your life or your heart. Um, so certainly I think the research would show being in partnership with with someone who's equally supportive uh, is, is a great thing. And, and yes, if you have this kind of desperate searching and you're wasting time trying to find a partner, trying to find a partner. I mean, I think that the right one or the right circumstances if you believe and it sounds like you're a man of faith if you believe in god or if you believe in some force a yeah. positive force that's driving your life that you believe that you don't desperately need to search to find it will it will come to you in the right divine timing gotcha okay because the main the main key point i was segueing into that was not even necessarily of like uh it was more of in the sense as to how would i singular focus Right. It was just more to the point of singular focus as to, you know, you're not, you know, oh, you know what, oh, there's this, 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 you know, there's this person here, there's this person here, and then you have your business. Right. Because the majority of your of the people you work with are either trying to make a career change or they have a business. Right. And there is always something, and I and I found this, which is very interesting, is um I've interacted with a lot of people who, you know, who by society definition, they make a lot of money. And there is always that how would I call it? There's either, you know, you meet the person, it's like, yes, they have, they're married, but they're not happily married. So then they're, you know, going out there and then they're like distracted, right? Mm -hmm. And then pay attention to your business down the line, it tanks, right? And then you have the one person that's like, you know, was single, right? Doing great in business. And then they find that partner and then they 
lose focus of the in in, in the business and then they go 100 of the partner and then they lose the business and then they lose the partner mm. right and then you have all of this segues as to because i believe a huge part of wellness is understanding priorities right having priorities but mm -hmm. understanding what per se is to a singular focus right is to avoid stress right because you the reason why i brought this up as well was life coach a lot of life coaching is is pretty much segmented around like you know talk about the puzzle pieces right and i don't want to i don't want to yap here my, my mind is still bringing in that the, the train of thoughts in there so i'm going to just go ahead and transition into this can you just talk a little bit more about the puzzle pieces while i formulate my thoughts here yeah i mean there's there's so much to say i, I think we could unless you want to come back to it leave the relationship or the person we i mean time management and time balance and being with the right people. I think I, I saw, and I don't know if the quote was actually by Morgan Freeman, but there was this meme on Instagram that was like, I found the key to success in life. And that's avoiding idiots, um, <laughs> you know, or just like avoiding idiotic people, you know, like yeah. not being with bad people. I think that um, the key to success, one of the keys to success is being around great people, uh, people that make you a better person, that make you want to be a better person and, and give give back. So wellness, there's so many components. And this is another offering that I have, the whole you holistic. So there's actually a, a, an assessment on my website, a free assessment, because I guess okay. it kind of gets you into this, uh, knowing more about these offerings and more, more about me. But if you go to the website, one of the first free assessments is looking at this circle of life, the different puzzle pieces. You might've heard of this assessment, the wheel of life, okay. but it's going to ask you 10 questions and you rank yourself um, from on a Likert scale of one to 10. How good do I feel about self-love, about my belief in myself, my respect for myself, my mindfulness, the way I take care of my body, my my nutrition my home environment my image you know professional brand my career my relationships or my network and then my service to society those are 10 components or puzzles puzzle pieces that i put together in this whole you holistic development so if i'm working with a client that's a starting point a conversation to look at those 10 pieces and it could go deeper into different uh different places you know depending on what someone's uh, doing in their life but to me, that's a holistic snapshot of some of the the important pieces of our lives. Interesting. Okay, I want to kind of that's that's a very interesting, uh, I guess, piece. Basically, having the pieces of the puzzle. Now, I kind of want to just segue into you know as we as we wrap up here, and then you know we're going to go into my, the last segment, which is pretty much me asking you my uh, my uh, infamous dumb questions. I'm pretty sure you saw those ones. Um, you know, I have a list of dumb questions that I ask. Yes, I know that, that you call them dumb questions, but why not call them fun questions? Nothing's dumb, right? They say there's no dumb questions if you, it's really coming from a true place so that you really want to know. So I'm ready for your fun questions. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the fun the fun questions. But the reason why I call them the dumb questions is because um, I, the, the weirdest thing is, it's like I want the viewer and the audience to just have this mindset of just, I mean, because uh, the big thing for me is, uh, and this is where I'm going to talk about the next question, the question I wanted to ask you is this is, so one of the things I struggled with initially was rejection, overcoming rejection, dealing with rejection, right? And I would never post content because I was afraid people would judge me, right? I would, um, because growing up, and this is, a, this is, this might catch, this is going to catch a lot of my audience very, very, 
uh, I think it's the first time I've ever said this, was I had uh, cystic acne, right? What I mean, it was so bad. It was so bad. I used to be the most social kid in school. And then all of a sudden, God decided to just like, hey, man, I'm going to humble you here. And um, when I had that, it completely destroyed myself. And when I mean destroyed, it was bottoms up. And I'm mm -hmm. grateful for that. But the one thing I did struggle with was rejection. And uh, one of the mind frames that I always use before I do anything is, like I always say, you know, like before, uh, um, like, let's say I'm going to make a post, right? And it's going to be controversial or someone's going to not like it. Uh, I'm, I always go, well, they're not going to like it. So what? Right. Or, you know, and, and also as I started to get older, you know, with that, when I was dealing with acne, I was like, I have acne in my face. You're going to stare at me. So what? Right. So I always kind of just kind of like I owned it. So this way it never had any power over me. Right. Yeah, and yeah. Um, growing up, my uh, sister used to say, oh, you're stupid. You're dumb. Right. Which is I, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm stupid. I'm dumb. But I just kind of want to um, segment to this. But now because now she I, we paid for her nursing school. She's a nurse now. She's doing all this stuff. She's like, no, you are the best brother ever. Right? <laughs> she's starting out is back in school. Different was, tune these days. Nice. Totally different tune. She was like, oh, ah, yeah. skip it, all that stuff. But I, I, I realized, like, just for me, was dealing with rejection, especially, you know, is hey, you're not gonna like it. So what? I know I'm living true to myself, right? Mm -hmm. But that's why I want to kind of ask you this question: is to what is your philosophy? Because that's my philosophy on it. Is what is your philosophy on handling rejection and disappointment in your journey as an entrepreneur so far? Hmm. I'll start off by saying I'm a fellow survivor of cystic acne and I know okay, hey. oh yeah deep down years and years trying to find the cure it was just all over engulfing it was oh, like I can uh, imagine it tearing apart my face like eating me alive uh, eating my face alive so I I just remember that feeling of like don't look at me I, I'm different I'm ugly I don't want to be looked at um, it's really, yeah, traumatic and, um, uh, you know, you have to have to overcome that, um, that insecurity that comes with acne or any kind of deformation or, um, but it's interesting that you, that you look back and say it was a gift to humble you. And, mm -hmm. um, I didn't know that I needed humbling, but maybe I did. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was pretty yeah. like insecure when I was little. So it was just sort of like the cherry on the cake, but maybe it was like, uh, you know, Kind of the pinnacle and it got, got better from there but uh in terms of dealing with rejection um in a way you need to you know they say start with why why are you doing it why are you sharing it a large part it's for yourself okay. you know it's not really for anybody else to judge you or score you score you or tell you your value you know you it's coming from let's say a higher source it's coming if it, if it is indeed coming from a higher source or a positive source then then why would you ever need to defend it you know um if it's coming from the right place there's just no question about it if someone doesn't like it okay sorry you can like unsubscribe you can not follow yeah. uh, you know it's you're just not concerned you have like this tunnel vision and kind of blinders on to any haters it's not about impressing other people um now, another way to think of it, like rather than think of like, oh, no, who's not going to like it? And you had said this earlier, like what I want my audience to think. Think of that one person or many people, your audience, your ideal customer, your ideal client, your ideal viewer. This is for them. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing something that I think that they're going to have value. 
uh, get value from. So I think it's a matter of changing, you know, the rejection is going to come because people are um, empty and they want to criticize and whatnot. So you can't control that. But what you can control is your intention. And then hopefully it has some positive impact on other people and just to try to visualize them and, and imagine their face and their smiling face and then share things with a smile and with that intention. Good. Now let's uh, let's dive in a little bit to the fun questions here. Okay, so for the fun questions we have, uh, did you ever consider becoming a professional puzzle solver? Since you mentioned the puzzle pieces coming up, yeah, I I like puzzles um, and seeing things come together. That I, I've never I didn't know there was such thing as a professional puzzle solver. Maybe you mean like a Rubik's cube solver? Yeah, yeah, like. Um, yeah. yeah, no, certainly not. I, I, I don't seek out problems because I actually believe because a puzzle is kind of like a problem or frustration. But I personally believe and I'm sure you uh, agree is that there's enough problems and enough challenges just for day to day, right? Like yeah. you call Verizon and there's like yeah. 20 hoops that they're going to make you jump through if you want to live in modern society. And that's my choice right now is modern society in a city, um, you know, just doing the day to day, you're going to have puzzles and uh, all kinds of things uh, to to work out. So um, I don't seek that out as a job now. OK, 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 OK. That's that's the first question there. And then second question, as a life coach, um, as a life coach, do you think you could uh, coach a cat to be more social? Coach a cat. Well, I I don't I've never had a pet, so I don't claim to be a, a an expert with dealing with animals. But uh, yeah. my understanding of cats is that they just keep to themselves, and and that's their nature. And so I wouldn't try to change somebody's nature. Like I said before, someone has got to have a desire or a drive to change. Okay. And so the cat is the cat. If you want to be antisocial, that's fine, you know. But if the cat has a moment and they say, hey, I want to change. I'm happy to work with them, but uh, I'm not trying, I'm not <laughs> trying to change people's natural way of being. I love it. I love it. Well, any, any, uh, as we, as we end here, any, you know, last words for the audience, any last words for the viewers, anything you want to, want to promote or uh, tell them to go to? Yeah, I, I want to get a better understanding of your audience. Tell me like one person who you think might be watching and what you think they need to know in their life mostly, right now. we have entrepreneurs right so just give you a little foundation for people who've been following me for a few months now a few years um this channel started off as a i'll just make like little tutorials teaching people about sales right because sales i believe is very 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 intriguing very very um important you know like for instance the lady that sells a knit if she doesn't know how to sell then no one's going to know about her Right. Started off as sales. And then um, we transitioned into um, I was doing more software tutorials, right, of how to people, you know, entrepreneurs who had your own software companies as far as like how to you know, do a little design here and there, how to tweak this, how to sell the automations. And then I realized I was like, well, success is 90 percent knowledge and 10 percent skill. There's a lot of coders out there. There's a lot of builders out there, but 90 percent of them don't have the mindset. Right. So then I decided to say, you know what? I'm going to bring on guests on the podcast, right? And I'm going to go ahead and do something where they still get the 10% of the, you know, still make the tutorials, but they still get that ability to work on that holistic view. That's the whole point is I wanted to give them the holistic view, right? So that 90%, which is what we're talking about, is that mindset to keep them going. Because for me, what kept me going was podcasts. I always listen to podcasts. 100% always listen to podcasts. And I was like, well, that actually is probably one of the secrets to my success because uh, I've never missed a single day of workout. 
and uh, for the past three years, every day, every morning, doesn't matter if I had to wake up at midnight, I always would have right? But it was always because I, I watched this video and one of the guys was like, well, you're in constant competition. And if your competition is always working, why are you being lazy? Why are you sleeping in? So I was like, okay, fine. You know what? I, I, I'm in constant competition, so I have to keep working. So there's that mindset, and I don't think people ever get to see that. So that's the reason why this 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 um, this part of the podcast exists. But yeah, so my audience is basically mostly entrepreneurs. That's the reason why most of the questions are tailored to as entrepreneurs as opposed to just the overview of the general day-to-day person. Great. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, if I had any last advice, uh, maybe we could add a link to this below in the show notes, but I did write a, a summary of my 10-year entrepreneurial journey okay. and five of the um, takeaways that I have from my entrepreneurial journey that I think are universal enough that they could apply to work and life. It was a, a, an article on LinkedIn, so maybe we can put that below, but, but generally just thinking big, you know, having a vision and and believing in yourself i know that's so um uh, cliche and trite yeah. these days but i think the article goes into a little bit more um you know like surrounding yourself with successful people believing in the process and the evolution never giving up and um some other things that they might find some value on it's on my website as well but maybe uh yeah there, there'll be a there'll be a link in the description for the course there'll be a link in the description for the uh to go to whole you dot info or whole you coach.com and it is also going to be a link to the summary down there and there's also going to be a link to um you know linkedin if someone wants to go ahead and connect with you guys there's no linkedin to her phone number because it is <laughs> so that is not going to be there so but if the you follow. want to book a call it's on the website yes. you just answer a couple of questions and qualify and and uh let us know that you really mean it absolutely well it was an absolute pleasure having you on shannon absolutely yeah. Nice and, to meet you. Uh, nice to speak with you. Absolutely. Yeah.